0: I've always done stuff that with the intention of helping comics, that's why I'm broke.
1: <laughs> Hot breath. Good day, y'all. And welcome to another episode of Hot Breath. <gasps> Today's episode is brought to you by the eBay store The Goodwillionaire. Get your premium winter wardrobe at a quality price. The Goodwillionaire. Well, thank you to our corporate sponsor. And me, I'm Joel Byers, and my guest today is Atlanta Comedy Ambassador Gilbert. Lowend. This interview traces his steps from Baghdad to the boardroom to the Big Apple. Gilbert has architected Atlanta's comedy scene by not only discovering the space that now holds the world-famous Laughing Skull, but by also producing one of the nation's most influential alternative comedy festivals. You can also hear Gilbert discuss the state of the current comedy club and how he feels that will evolve in the near future. So, caffeinate your ears and hear Mr. Lowen's affection for comedy and the price he pays along the way. Annie up, with a hot breath, and Gilbert Lowend. Are you ready? Yeah, well, nice mics. Thanks, man. I'm trying to make this a thing. Yeah, yeah. A <laughs> <laughs> <I> thing? <laughs> I sold all the loose change I had. And just gave it in this. Oh, that's not bad. Let me put, well, I, I appreciate you doing this. Oh, no problem. I know it's I know it is kind of a problem, but I appreciate. This is not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so alright, let me get Sitch here. Boom. Yeah, there we go. Boom. Alright. So could you just say your full name to the microphone, please?
0: I know I couldn't do that.
1: <laughs> okay, Gilbert Lownd. Gilbert Lownd. Yeah, Joel Byers. Thank you for being on Hot Breath, man.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Joel.
1: Are you feeling all right?
0: Yeah, just tired from this weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How would it go? So. The Red Clay Comedy Festival, of course, your your brainchild. How do you think it went?
0: Uh, I think it went well. It was uh, there were some hiccups, some uh, some some things I can uh, do differently, but it, I think it went well overall. Uh, we had fifty. 55 comedians here we had 25 plus shows and six venues and that's why i sound like a a sailor from from the north shore wherever that is
1: but uh yeah it it was good it was fun um but yeah i'm I'm definitely tired (laughs) yeah i know you're under the weather but that's this was the day you know pretty much after everything went down so i wanted to get you while it's fresh in your mind and maybe you have some reflection on it because i know before the festival started i was like congratulations and you're like well don't congratulate me yet (laughs) yeah but now that it's over i mean do you accept congratulations no i still don't no no (laughs) (laughs) well you gotta figure out how to pay everybody now so then
0: (laughs) then you can congratulate me in about two or three months maybe no i think uh yeah it it, it went well so i appreciate it appreciate the congrats but good man um man it was just a lot a lot a lot more stressful than I thought, and a lot more unfun than I thought it was going to be. It's just not fun running it. Like it's, I mean, everybody else had fun, but I, uh, I was just like, I've never, I haven't had a feeling of uh, not wanting to go up on stage in a long time. And I was like walking in the shows, going, What time? What time is the show gonna end? Hell, what's the door looking like? What's who's uh, who's driving so and so here? And what's going on at the other venue? It was, it was just like a headache. So, but it was worth
1: it. It was fun. Did you have Did you have anybody helping you organize all that though? No, no, no. I did. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I had co-producers uh, Mike Albanese and uh, who's a comedian from Atlanta that moved up to New York with me, and uh, Rebecca Trent who is uh, lives in New York as well. She owns the Creek in the Cave, mm-hmm. which is a really f- uh, a popular uh, comedy club
1: in New York as well. So. That's like a big alternative venue, isn't it?
0: Yeah it's, uh, it's sort of, um, uh, it's a restaurant slash performance space. It has like five different rooms where people uh, put on shows. It's, it's really great. Like Colin Quinn does. He, he's, he's done his, uh, he, he runs his hour there. And mm-hmm. like a lot, a lot of people do their, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's like, a, a, there's upstairs, downstairs, there's different performance spaces. It's, it's really popular. It's in like Long Island city. And, uh, a lot of people from Atlanta that have yeah. moved up there, hang out there a lot, so and produce their own shows there as well. Yeah, yeah. Like Shlewa, mm-hmm. Sharp, Noah Gardenswards, Andy Sanford, um, you know, Jake Head, who's from Atlanta as well, has a show there. So, yeah, it's sort of she's great. So, I, it was great to have her come down here because she'd never really spent any time in Atlanta. Never she knows a lot of the Atlanta comics but never spent any time in Atlanta or, you know, uh, any time in the Atlanta scene. So, it was great having her on board, so
1: was it your idea and you asked her to get on board or yeah. she saw Atlanta comedy in New York and was like, I'd like to be a part of this?
0: No, it was my idea. I, uh, I've had this idea for about a couple of years. I was thinking that um, that Atlanta could use a non-competitive uh, comedy festival that had, uh, you know, the, the idea was something that had a hint of like the South, but also... Um, the the lineups being, like, just uh, top to bottom being really strong. Like, not really have big, big names, but not really have, like, any weak links either. So it was, like, it, it, I think it went well in that respect. I mean, everybody was, like, every show had, you know, monsters
1: on each lineup, so it was good. Oh, yeah, the talent was totally there. And what I mm-hmm. noticed about the venues you chose, I mean, you did everything... From you know, it would be some at bars, some at improv theaters, some at music <clears throat> venues, but um, nothing at any comedy clubs. Was that intentional? Yeah, that was intentional. Uh, that's a good point. It was uh, it was
0: another p- factor of it was a, a DIY feel to it, a do-it-yourself type of alternative, independent uh, label type thing. Like I think there's a, a big um, explosion in comedy in general, but even within that explosion, that. Uh, the independent show is really uh surfaced as a thing that's 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 popular like when, like the 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 most uh popular shows or the or the ones that you want to see in any city are rarely at a comedy club like if you go to l a you're going you want to see meltdown you know if you go to if you go to new york you want to go to the knitting factory and you know you want to go see whiplash but it's so it's i think that it's it's definitely intentional i think the best shows are I mean, comedy clubs are great. You know, they're they're fine for what they do, but I think the 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 real magic happens in these alternative venues, you know, in, mm-hmm. independent run shows, because people don't stumble in there. People go to comedy clubs sometimes; they get free passes or whatever. They're like, they don't know what they're about to see. But right. when you go to a show like that, people come in. They're like, no, they know exactly what they want to see, and they're they're usually you know the be- better audience. So. It's. I was definitely. I was definitely intentional.
1: Do you think comedy clubs are outdated, or is it just a different market altogether?
0: <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if they're outdated. I think they need to change their their model a little bit, maybe. But they're 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 always going to be there. They're always going to serve a purpose. But I think they could probably use. Um, they could probably take a, a a couple lessons from some of these independent shows, mm. in that if they put on like some of the, these up and coming comics that are really f- fantastic that people don't know about. If they, if they, if they would be book it like that, where they would have, uh, and if they did that for a while, I think that they would cultivate a, a, an, an audience that's like the, these independent shows that are very loyal that come out every week. Um, that, you know, will spend money that will be, you know, that will be a, a fan of the, not just the, uh, the club but just like the show like they'll 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 go hey let's just go there we know it's always fun i've never heard of this person but they're always they're always booking like these these fresh acts that are unique you know so Mm -hmm. i think they could take a definitely take a lesson from what's popular in these independent shows
1: well not only do people hear about independent shows but also i mean other clubs will hear about the independent show and i know atlanta comedy is a it's a big network but it's Tight knit, so did you hmm. hear any like backlash or just feedback from the comedy clubs? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's a good question uh-huh. do I talk about it or do I not talk about it? That is the question yeah, the answer is yeah, I got some feedback um, I don't really want to get into it too much, mm-hmm. but yeah the um <laughs> Oh that's funny, I don't know um, yeah, I got some feedback there was some some anger uh and some i don't know if, if what the word if anger is the right word or if uh asshole is the right word mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know it's 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 not surprising and been but a little disappointing that sometimes people that uh pretend to be part of you know an altruistic sort of uh down for like whatever's good for the scene but then when you try to bring something it becomes like a uh an expose of what people are really uh their intentions really are and sometimes a lot of their intentions are power and Mm -hmm. you know wanting to you know be perceived as something and you know anything else is uh that comes into the, into their view their line of sight they become you know an affront to it where then whereas instead of you know knowing that something will enhance the scene you know mm-hmm. none of that makes sense i'm just trying not to
1: <laughs> name names but right but is that that negative feedback we'll call mm-hmm. it um mm-hmm. i mean is that business driven or is that more of just like a personal motive you think personal
0: for sure mm-hmm. um I think it has like a business uh probably motivation at first but no it's it's more personal. It's more of a uh you know people want to want to seem like you know they are they you know the pe- people people want to seem like they run things and they 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 are the person that they that you think of when you think of you know a certain thing like Atlanta comedy but it's it's more of an ego thing. Yeah. More than anything. It's just
1: you yeah. know but You're certainly not new to, you know, producing alternative shows. I mean, Comedy Gold, I mean, anybody that knows Atlanta comedy, that (coughs) is like, you know, goes down in the history books as something in Atlanta comedy. I mean, did you experience any... You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Did you experience any backlash from clubs when producing that showcase?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Even then, it was like... So, Comedy Gold... um, Went on for about a couple of years, it, a little bit longer, but, but but on a regular basis, probably two and a half years, and we were at Landmark Diner, where uh, Jerry Farber's place is now, uh, every Friday and Saturday night for a year and a half, I ran that show, and it was amazing. We had, in one year, we had uh, their their first time ever in Atlanta, where we had uh, Kyle Kinane, Rory Scovel, James Adomian, Eric Andre. Um Ryan Singer, Dave Waite, I mean, we had a lot of great, uh, you know, acts that are you know pretty big now, especially Kyle and like Rory and Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, even then we got we get the we got the old, you know, clubs approaching us going, hey, you know, let's say you can't go to this other club if you go to to. You know, let's say you can't, you do our room if you go to this other club and, you know, pulling you aside, it's like, (laughs) felt like I was in some kind of like James Bond thing. We're like, hey, (laughs) let's fucking, let's just, let's conspire. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that because all it does is hurt comics. And I've, you know, that's, I've always done stuff that, with the intention of helping comics. That's why I'm broke. (laughs) Right. But that's why, like, you know that's also why people like have you know become friends with a lot of people that you know that are great comics that knows know I'll put on good shows with you know they don't have to worry about my intentions you know so,
1: and these are comics way back then who also did your Red Clay Festival as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, a lot of them did, um yeah a lot of them that that did, did, did the did Comedy Gold didn't did, did uh, Red Clay. Uh, it was like a like a an all star comedy gold group
1: <laughs> basically <laughs> and I mean comedy Gold, I mean you say a year and a half but I mean you guys it was over like 300 shows wasn't it yeah
0: like- I mean it was like over three years but I meant the year and a half I meant was like when we did it every Friday and Saturday so that right. was, it was before that it was a weekly show uh, for on Sunday and then it was a weekly show on we moved it to the Wednesday but yeah over three years it, well just in that year and a half uh, there was like probably about 150, 60 shows. But yeah, mm-hmm. over the three-year period, it was definitely 300, about 300, probably. How do you sustain
1: that? <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> one way was that we had good venues before we moved to Lamar Diner, which was another great venue. But before that, we had people that, that let us kind of try to grow, you know? So you have a venue that's not going not gonna to kick your ass or kick you out. If you have a couple shows with five people in them so we had that and then um and i was new to comedy too and i was just like let's just keep doing this and then you know we were able to with the venue and then we kind of grew it and then uh at landmark diner same thing we just uh we had up and down weeks and uh but the venue uh allowed us to do that so as long as you have a drive and you have a venue and you know management that, that's on board with it then you can keep doing it you know like it was, it was difficult though, because you had to, especially when you booked these other people, cause you, you wanted to, you had to like guarantee people some money. So you had to, in order for them to come down. So it was up and down, obviously not just with people, but also money because you had to kind of try to plan, you know, there that's when the whole network of the sort of Southeast started happening more because we, I would book people to try to make it worth more their while, their while to come down here. Um, not just on a Friday, Saturday, we started booking people to help them uh, money-wise to go Tuesday, Chattanooga, Wednesday, Greenville, Thursday, Athens, and our Asheville. And that kind of started helping the, uh, the, the southeast sort of like with all these runs, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it took the pressure off me to have to get people in there Friday and Saturday for sure or I would like not have any money. It would help, you know, alleviate that pressure because I would they would have a certain amount of money that week from those runs uh, from those other shows.
1: Did you have yeah. a hand in those other shows as well, or those all come up organically?
0: No, they came up organically. They were like already there. There was like JJ's in uh, in Chattanooga, mm-hmm. and there was like a Coffee Underground and uh, and and Greenville. Like uh, Joel Ruiz ran Tuesday in Chattanooga, and then Nick Shaheen, who's now they're both now in Atlanta, uh, and ran those ran that one in Greenville and. I just heard about the shows. They were like a weekly show on a certain day, like that was a Tuesday, Wednesday, and we just started talking. I was like, "How about once a month, I uh, I'll bring in somebody from LA or New York, and then you know I'll put you know we'll put them in your in your in your spot that week, and we'll do a run, and like you know sort of like you guarantee them a certain amount of money, and I'll guarantee them a certain amount of money. We'll be able to get some great people, and that's mm-hmm. how it kind of happened, basically.
1: How are you able to guarantee these people in LA? What is your connection to them? What do you mean, like, huh? Well, like, um, I mean, I guess, I mean, how do you meet all these people from LA, New York, and here <coughs> in Atlanta?
0: Well, Jared helped a lot with that. Jared Harris, uh-huh. who I did comedy Gold with, he was already <coughs> a few years in, uh, and then I just started. Like, I went out to LA a couple times, and then uh, met some people. That's how I met Eric, <coughs> and that's how I. You want uh, some water? No, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just dying over here, but that's okay. Um, so that's how I met. Like, and then you know, with the internet too, it's like you can find out about who's like, you know, who people are talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the funny thing about comedy is like, if you really like somebody, if you're a fan of somebody, and it's not, it's, I don't think this is very true in like other occupations or other entertainment offerings, is you can do a show with them, pure and simple. Like, if you like somebody you can do a show with them. Just put something together and tell them, you know, have the ability to pay them, but you can flat out do a show with somebody you're a huge fan of. Like, you can just, you know, just be proactive about it and you can do it. Like, you know, I remember seeing, you know, Rory, and I was like, oh, man, this guy's great. And, like, I'd love to put some shows together. And I was like, oh, shit, I can. I mean, just, like, put a couple shows together and make it worth it for him to, to do it financially and with a great crowd and like just put some work into it and you can do it so like that's that's how you can do it like it and you see all these lists of up-and-coming comics in new york la mm-hmm. it's easy to find that kind of stuff you know yeah and then check them out on whatever their clips and then read about them you're like and it's it's, it's kind of easy it's like it's it's there are plenty of people you, you haven't heard of but like there's also if you look enough you can find out like who's, you know, who's doing what, you know, and then reach out and book them.
1: But you got to see these people before they were really doing this or that. And yeah. And now you're seeing them.
0: Yeah, that was the cool part. That was like, uh, you know, the first time you see any of these comics, first time you see Kyle Kinane, you're like, oh, wow, you know, this guy's going to do something. Mm-hmm. Or, or Rory or even Eric or whatever. You would see him, and uh, it was fun. It was like... Uh, you see, you're like, I know that these... <laughs> no doubt they're going to fucking do something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they did. So it's it's fun. It's fun seeing somebody's face too who's like at the crowd who's never seen somebody like that. Especially a lot of people think that they're not on TV, which they were on TV probably. Well, not all of them, but they're not famous they're not you know they can't be that funny but the truth is the funniest people are not the famous people right you know you know that
1: so, yeah yeah <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> it's definitely. like it's crazy it's like a lot of people that are the household names are already peaked or like the people that most uh, casual comedy fan hasn't heard of are some of the best you know mind-blowing ones you know
1: i mean you've been in the business for a minute i mean is it not all about being funny at some point you've got a to- figure out the business side as well
0: yeah i think so um i mean yeah definitely so it's i think you have to like uh be able to figure out what your your thing is and you know also be able to you know i hate saying it but it's like you have to kind of be like marketable in a way like they you have to be able to basically look at it from a dollar standpoint it's like an agent is going to want to get some commissions off you. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to, to, whatever it is you're doing, you want to be able to appeal to a certain group of people, you know, whether it's a mass audience or whether it's a very niche, you know, audience. Like if you, if you want to be like a, uh, you know, if, if you're somebody who, like uh, Jim Gaffigan appeals to a wide variety of people, but then Doug Stanhope has a very niche audience, but they both make, you know, a good living because they have loyal fans and and, and, and it resonates with somebody. So I think honing that skill of, like, being able to uh, be something to someone and then being able to communicate that from a business standpoint, like being able to just kind of know what you are, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And then being able to, you know, to present that brand or that – you know, that, that voice that you're, that you're conveying uh, on stage in a way where somebody can say, Oh, I can, I can, I can market you. I can promote your shows. I can book you and like, and I know who to go after to bring to shows. And, you know, so it's kind of yeah. like, almost like the business standpoint is, is, uh, knowing what you are and like knowing what your what who your target audience is going to be kind of thing.
1: How would you market these comedians that didn't necessarily have a draw in comedy gold?
0: Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> that was, uh, I get you know back then I had friends.
1: <laughs> but to do it for three years, yeah. You know, I mean shows come and go, you know, by the tides, you know. So how can you? What's uh, the brand on that?
0: Um, I think it was it was just you know doing it like for so like if you can get past a year or or more and and you have some really. Exciting shows, and you have enough people come, and you can just sustain that first, you know, year, year and a half, or whatever, and bring in quality people, have quality shows. And, you know, I mean, talking everything like, you know, from the music for beforehand before the show to you know to the you know the the starting on you know somewhat on time to having a the show run time you know being a uh, not too long and then having great middle acts having great headline, just putting on a really good show and then doing that consistently you're gonna have like you know a few people one week and every now and then you'll have a lot of people but after a while you'll have you know a base that will come you know On a regular basis, they'll make the show somewhat, you know, consistent. So it's just like being... It's just perseverance, I think, just keeping at it, Mm -hmm. even, you know, when the show might suck for a couple weeks or a few weeks, like, because it's, you know, it's very up and down, especially seasonal too, like summer's kind of difficult. But just keeping at it, and then enough people will have come in and seen it's a good product, and then a certain percentage of those come back, you know. So just having a bigger base by by being out there every week, I think. Yeah.
1: Well, the product of Atlanta comedy, at least within the city limits, is very well respected. And, I mean, I, I personally feel like Atlanta comedy is, you know, like the next, we're producing the next, you know, celebrities. We're producing the next <laughs> big-time talent in comedy. I agree. But are, you've, you've been around the country, and when you go to these cities like L.A., New York, you get involved in the scene as well. Are we too close to think that, or do other cities do other cities see that as well?
0: Yeah, I mean that's a good question too. I I I I used to think that maybe I was too close and that I would think that uh, I'm biased, and mm-hmm. but but not anymore. I mean I've been, you know, I've been in New York for the past year, and I've been out to LA a couple of times, and it's it's not it's not a bias. as I mean it is I am biased, but but now it's perceived the same way I perceive it. It's that's there's a Big wave of of Atlanta com- uh, comedy that's hitting the entire nation. It's it's huge. I mean, like everybody, like this past every year for the past at least three years, it's become more and more obvious. I mean, more and more people are doing TV. More and more people are doing you know getting you know doing Montreal like you know just for laughs. Uh, the new faces. More and more people are like uh, winning last Comic Standing like you know <laughs> playing English who we've known about yeah yeah. Clayton. Oh, yeah, Rodman yeah, yeah, that's that's from right. Atlanta as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and there was like six of the top forty were, were from Atlanta. You can kind of you can kind of see it and, and we've we've seen it for years, but now it's starting to come to to fruition. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people around the country are agree with that. So
1: do you think this national recognition we're finally starting to get will prevent all of us from having to move away from Atlanta to get that exposure?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's definitely, um, true. I think that's, I think that it still helps you to move. Um, but you don't have to anymore. I don't think, mm-hmm. I, I think that, and I think that'll be more and more, uh, obvious in the next couple of years too, the next few years. Yeah. you. I mean, you know, industry, industry knows about Atlanta and, they now listen up when they hear this comics from atlanta instead of like oh what is he doing in atlanta why is he not in new york la now they actually listen now they come here and now there's this movie industry tv industry that's here too um not necessarily like picking talent but like like i said they they know about atlanta and, and you know people are, are getting recognition without leaving so yeah i don't think you have to anymore but i think it's still good too. Like mm-hmm. in the same way. Like if it's it per it's a personal, you know, case by case basis. But like I'd always lived here, so I'm I would I'd, I need to move anyway. I needed like a change of scenery, a stimulus. So, but I no longer yeah, I no longer think you have to.
1: What made you pick New York over LA? Um, I just
0: uh, LA seems like I've been in there a few times, and I think you, I think you're better served there if you're if you got like some management. If you've got some uh, couple things in, in going on that I don't have going on, <laughs> um, and I think New York is like more—it's so stand-up uh, centric that you go up there, and I've seen people go up there for a year or two, and you know take their stand-up, uh, their act to another level. And I, I kind of wanted to be more stand-up focused for a little while, and then uh, maybe you know L.A. because L.A. is it's. it's it has, you know, a lot of other opportunities to like stand up with TV and, and movies or whatnot. But I think New York is sort of the stand-up capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I want—I wanted to be still focused on that. And maybe take a
1: comedy gold up there?
0: Um, probably not. Um, uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know. I, uh... Uh-huh.
0: I was trying to decide between trying to do a show in New York, a weekly show or monthly show, or do this festival and I chose a festival. I don't wanna do both because the festival planning is gonna start right back up again in like a month or two, wow. and it's you know it's that that was one of the the problems this year was like I pulled the trigger on doing it a little late, like February March, which is is still like nine months out, you know uh or seven months out which is like not not enough time so it's gonna start yeah it's gonna start right back up planning because um it's a lot of moving parts and a lot of stuff so i uh yeah probably not gonna do a show up there i think it was to me my my head i was like one or the other Mm -hmm. so i think i'm gonna do the festival keep doing that
1: where does that start i mean because nobody i mean you're one of the few people I mean, from, from this ground up, you're probably the only person who's like, all right, I'm going to make this festival a gravity for Atlanta comedy. Like, where do you even begin when planning for something of that scale?
0: Um, yeah, that's a good question. It, uh, it starts with the comics. Like, I would mm-hmm. I, start with, like, some of this, these comedians I named and go, hey, what do you think about this type of festival that's it's um, This many people... You know, and, the, the, and this type, these types of venues, because I wanted to do that DIY type of model. And I talked to a few of the comedians that, you know, the, that were in the festival and, and kind of feel feel that out and say, hey, what do you think? You think Atlanta's cool? For, like, would you be interested in something like that? And they say, yeah. And then you kind of go out to, like, uh, figure out the scale of it. How many do you want to do? How many comics do you want? You want 30? You want 40? You want, you know, 50? You want... How many venues, you know, then you start talking to venues and, and then you start, then then the ball starts rolling that way, you know, and then you try to get some sponsorship, you know, going, hey, I got these people. And so it all starts with, like, like I said, it's comic focused for me. Like, you, some people might start with sponsorship and be like, hey, how much can you, you know, pay for me to put this, right. you know, make a little light sticker on my face <laughs> while I do comedy? <laughs> but I started with, like, you know, from the comedian standpoint, what would be you know what would be fun what would be like something you'd want to do and then enough people were like yeah that would be cool um so that's how that kind of started and just kind of snowballs more and more details you know like how you're gonna how many people are gonna fly in and how many people are you know like hotels and people stay in different places and you know so
1: yeah the business side i mean how are you how are you managing that with the festival because i know with, like, Comedy Gold, you're, you're charging, like, five bucks to get into these shows mm-hmm. with these awesome comics. I mean, are you at a point now, like you mentioned, I mean, you're doing all these great things for comedy, but you're broke. <laughs> so, you're, are you now, like... Please
0: contribute. I'm just kidding.
1: I mean, but seriously, though, you're doing a, a great service, not only to Atlanta comedy specifically, but this is going to blossom into comedy in general. So like, are you like, all right? I need to get more business centric, or you just keep focusing on what you always have and then just having faith that it's gonna. Man, that's
0: uh, another. I know I keep saying, but that's a good question <laughs> too. I keep fucking like putting it, whatever I'm doing, into comedy, and I. Uh, I'm always broke, but I always think that, like, for example, this festival went well, and everybody had a great time, and it was like full fifty. You know, comedians all had mostly great experience. And, you know, it kind of breaks me. But I always in the back of my mind think, oh, well, that's another, like, enhancement of my human capital. Like, mm-hmm. if something more, opportun- an opportunity may arise out of this from somebody that had a good time or somebody that, you know, that, you know, that, that, that thought of something with, you know, that I could do that. And I always, always justify it that way by going, oh, yeah, well, it enhanced my relationships. So the, the account can say
1: zero on it and still be all right. <laughs> is this altruistic perspective something that stems from, I know you were a CPA and you got laid off. So you were in mm-hmm. the corporate world for a while and you can see how cutthroat that is. So like, is that where the altruism comes in? You're like, well, I want to have a business, but I don't want to run it like that
0: kind of I I kind of like was just disenfranchised with the whole corporate world Um, you know because I I loved comedy and I got more and more into it I didn't I I was less and less motivated to work in a pure corporate culture you know can't wait till Friday (laughs) like that bullshit (laughs) like I can't (laughs) I could never when I first was trying to decide whether to go all the way into comedy I just that was one of the things that made me Go into it. I was like, Oh wait, you can't wait till Friday. You can't wait to get away from what you spend ninety percent of your time on this planet doing. That you, of your own choosing, you can't wait to to get get to to get to that point. Like fuck that. You know, I don't need to. I can be broke, but do what I what, what I love rather than have ten percent of my life be spent on, you know, what I want to do. Yeah. You're know, on, on this planet one time, so I'm like, Yeah, I was like. Either way, it was like, broke or not broke, um, I'd rather be doing this.
1: I know you've mentioned, when you were in the corporate world, you were kind of the party guy, and you liked to party a lot. <laughs> did, did that, I mean, that is a skill set in yeah. itself with meeting people and networking. <laughs> Have you found that to be able to cross over to the comedy world as well?
0: I mean, a little bit, but I was like crazy person back then. I was like trying to take all the drugs off the street and put them in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. I was like... I'm like one of the few people that started comedy and calmed down.
1: <laughs> so, wow.
0: Yeah, because I was like... You know, I was making good money and I would just be the the guy going to clubs and bars and doing drugs and drinking a lot. And, uh, just cause, and it was because I wasn't happy. I didn't realize it at the time. It was just I wasn't happy with what I was doing. But, yeah, it does help you, like, in the, like in being able to handle yourself, I guess. Not so much the party scene, but, like, the corporate scene where you are not like... You know how to to shake someone's hand you know how to like have a conversation and how to run a meeting and stuff like that so that part of it helped
1: yeah how do your how do your parents feel about this kind of transition in your life because I mean you're from Baghdad (laughs) you you come to Georgia you know you go to UGA get a finance degree you have an MBA from Emory and then you're in the corporate world and now you're doing comedy for the love of it Mm -hmm. really
0: well, I mean, it's my mom. I, uh, my dad died when I was in high school, but my mom... Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. It wasn't your fault, was it? I, I, don't I thought you were no around. Comment. I don't remember you. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom finally has come around a little bit to it. She's still, like, you know, worried about me because of, you know, the non-lucrative aspect of comedy. But she also has seen that I love it and that I... Uh, that I am, you know, I'm not the crazy person I was back then. But, mm-hmm. like, she, it's, it's, it's definitely a source of worry. But, the, you know, my family, like, I think they, they're really supportive of it
1: in general. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's not the ideal thing she'd want me to be doing. But your sister is also tied to comedy as well.
0: Yeah, she was, uh, there, I have two sisters. Both of them are really big comedy fans. One of them was working, uh, managing the improv for a while, the Atlanta Improv. And she's still, like, she helped me out a lot with the festival. So she was, she's very mm-hmm. into comedy. Um, yeah, so they're, they're, they they it's, they, like it overall, for sure. You gotta if believe I'm, in Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, believe in Gilbert. Everybody believe in Gilbert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people do believe in you. Because they're, you just have this enthusiasm. And that's how, I feel like you're able to navigate all these different networks and everything. I mean, what are some common mistakes Cause networking is something I struggle with like you know I, I can get on stage and do my act and everything but off stage you know I'm not good at being as nimble with people like <coughs> yeah. what do you think are some common mistakes that comedians make when it comes to that um, I think that I don't know I
0: mean I think a lot of times comics will forget that they that other comics know they want to do shows you know like well, they like I learned that in New York too is like it's cool it's better to like have people you know ask you to do a show and in certain certain respects you, you have to ask you have to send your avails and like you know availability but in some in some respects sometimes comics are like push you with like with with shows you know like uh, I found that in New York some people would you know they would like hey can you know can I do this can I do that and like and I, I would be the same I would want the same shows but the person they're asking would be annoyed because they know they want to do this sh- their show. Mm-hmm. It's like if it's a big show or whatever. Um, I think just kind of like, um, I don't know, I think I think the less like you are trying to get out of somebody, the more you will get out of them. like, it's a weird thing, like where if wow. you it's it's a uh, counterintuitive or paradoxical par- I don't know if that's the word paradoxical. But like, <laughs> for example, if you're talking to somebody who books a show, you, then you're a comedian, they know that you want to do their show. You don't have to get in their ear and be like, hey, can I do your show? What about now? What about now? What about now? You can just be cool and get to know them really as a person. And then, like, when you talk to them, just be, you know, like, hey, what's going on? And just talk, like, make it, when, when you're talking to somebody in a conversation, if it's a conversation, then just make it a conversation. Don't wait to ask about something. Like, if, if you're, but if you're going to talk to them about it, spot or getting booked talk to them about that but if you're talking to him as a person just talk to him. i think like sort of getting to know people is is, is, is as simple as that sounds that's, i think that's the best way to like network or you know it's like making somebody your friend is an easy way to have them help you out yeah <laughs> you know,
1: so. yeah yeah did you have to start over when moving to new york or did you have something established
0: um, Kind of both. Like, it definitely was... Uh, there's a great Atlanta-based comics there, and I know a bunch of people up there in general from booking shows, but still had to start over. I mean, like I said, uh, you know, I didn't want to... I, I have a pretty big network up there just from booking... You know, the, I used to book the Atlanta Improv and the other shows, Comedy Gold and, and whatnot, but I didn't want to hit them up and be like, hey, I'm here. Let's get me on some shows. I right. I wanted it to to occur naturally, to occur organically where... You the first six months suck where you're going to all these open mics, you're meeting a bunch of people, and doing you know three minute spots, and then people <laughs> start like yeah it gets like real old because Atlanta's stage time is so great, mm-hmm. it spoils you that um you, you you go through this phase of like you're just meeting people and then and then you slowly start getting on you know better shows and they ask you to be on shows so it's it's a much uh it's it's definitely like starting over, but you start getting back into like this you get into another scene and you're meeting everybody and uh mm-hmm. it's it's uh it it becomes more um fulfilling I guess uh, you know to not have to to be asked to be on stuff and doing well and then gas again then trying to bully your way on stuff or right. be pushy
1: you mentioned the quality um, stage time in Atlanta. I would love to know from somebody of your experience. I mean, how has the scene evolved since you started?
0: Um, it's, well, it's evolved since I started in, in a tremendous way. I mean, like, when I started, there was Star Bar on Monday, there was Relapse Theater, and then that was kind of it. Uh,
1: and that was like a, it was like a homeless besides, shelter, right? Yeah, Relapse? It
0: was a, and uh, no, that was an old church that was a improv and stand-up theater.
1: But like, didn't people like live in it? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, people were like, yeah, like squatters. <laughs> yeah. But there were comedians <laughs> slash homeless people. Um, but it uh it evolved because those those are the only places besides the comedy clubs that you could do shows. Now it's exploded where there's two or three places a night that Atlanta has uh quality stage time. It's you know, it's gone from like three or four a week to like thirty, you know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So it's 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 definitely like it's become a very great place to get up a lot if you want to, you know, develop as a comedian.
1: I think Atlanta's the best place to do it well I'll get you out of here in a minute I know you're feeling <laughs> under the weather but I know a lot of Atlanta comedians listen to this and what can we do to keep the scene on this trajectory <clears throat> I mean
0: uh from a comedian standpoint like just keep getting better keep going up and like keep um you know keep writing keep performing um also like from a a show standpoint i think that when you keep like uh keep keep making these shows quality quality high quality shows that that um if you have a weekly show or if you want to start one you know make sure it's gonna gonna be like something that you put time into and that you make uh make sure the quality of the show is high and uh you know and and, and like consistent you know so i would and i would say be welcoming to you know comics from from other cities mm-hmm. you know be an ambassador to to atlanta comedy like i always was very very proud that of the atlanta scene so have that i think having that in your mind uh, on the forefront of your mind is like the uh the the overarching uh guide of like how to take how to carry yourself whether you're on stage or whether you're producing a show just be like an ambassador of atlanta and be like hey i'm proud of this show or I'm proud of this 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 act I'm doing or you know and it's all under the guise of like I'm an Atlanta comedian, you know? So I'm I'm held to a higher standard. Just have that in your mind. Fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not really, but just um try to uh you know, try to do things that are just uh good for comedy. It's like a lot of times you can it comes down to being that simple. Like, is this good for comedy or is it just good for me? Or is it just good for, you know, my short-term uh, needs for the next couple of weeks? Or is it good for comedy? And if you start thinking of things in that way, you'll be broke like me.
1: <laughs> 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 that's, that's perfect, man. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? Um,
0: yeah. No. <laughs> Not really. I mean, like, just keep supporting, uh, you know, local comedy, and it's an amazing time in comedy. Like, I think that, you know, uh, it's never been so much on people on the forefront of everything, so go to a show or or don't. <laughs> you know, support, like, a local scene, and if you're a comic that listen to it, you know, help out with a show, or if you don't start your own show, help out with one. Like, it's amazing... It, what, how a show can be helped like quality-wise with just a little bit of tweaking or a little bit of improvement here and there. So just be part of the whole scene and make it great. Like Gilbert. Yeah, Gilbert Grape Great.
1: Yes, Gilbert the Great. We're uh, Let them know your social media, and also we're going to start a Kickstarter for you after this <laughs> as well. Yeah, all
0: I need is 100,000 or so, so if you guys know where Tyler Perry lives... We'll just send him one email for the Kickstarter. Um, uh, Twitter is Gilbert Lowland, L-A-W-A-N-D, Facebook.com, Comedian Gilbert, I think. It's not my name on there, but that's where the address, I don't know, whatever, Gilbert Lowland, just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, I need social media help, so please send
1: $5,000. Well, thank you so much for your commitment to Atlanta comedy, and I truly believe it will pay off. I think so, or
0: I'll be dead anyway at some point, right? So it'll pay off or not. That'll that's be one of the like funniest it. funerals <laughs> ever, though. Yeah. have fun. a lot of good headliners oh, coming. That's true. That. I should probably start planning the uh, the, the attendee list, probably. Yeah. yeah you know a good DJ? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> it's all good. Next year, I look forward to being on the Red Clay Festival. Yeah, yeah.
0: I look forward to for you doing that, too.
1: Thank you very much, Gilbert Lowen. Thanks, Joel. Appreciate it. Ah, Gilbert the Great. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. Feel free to kick off that Gilbert Lowen Kickstarter. And while you're online, check out our Hot Breath iTunes and leave a review. Anyone between now and the airing of next week's episode that screenshots their new review and tags me online will be in the running to win a new Hot Breath t-shirt. Mmm. Well, that is all the pandering for this week. I appreciate all your continued support and future reviews. But until next time, you've been caffeinating your ears with hot breath. Hot breath.